Welcome back, everybody, to the Rule Your Pool podcast. This is the last episode of 2021, and with me, as not as usual as it used to be, but we're glad to have him back. Jared, thank you. You know, I've missed it. I'm not going to lie, buddy. It's been a pretty much of a whirlwind last couple of weeks slash months. And, uh, mm-hmm. You're not going to convince me you were working. I know. I know. You're right. My family just actually, they happen to be gone from the house today, and I just have free time now. This is a good time. That's it. Now, the cat, on the other hand, I cannot speak for the cat. Bring Blue to the table. That was a previous episode where Blue was walking on the keyboard, and I hope he does that again today. He's lonely here. Oh, is he? If you're watching this instead of just listening, we are wearing our Academy hats. I am wearing the flat-billed hat, which we believe to be more popular than Jared's appropriately sized curve bill hat. Hmm. But um, the only way you can get these hats is by logging online. It's totally free. Take Orenda Academy and Orenda Academy Four Pillars. You can find that at academy.orendatech.com or just go to the homepage, orendatech.com, follow the navigation. It's not hard to find. You can also get it from the Orenda app. A lot of what we talk about here on the Rule Your Pool podcast is in those two programs, Orenda Academy and Academy Four Pillars. Now, uh, most people would only take the normal Academy, but the Four Pillars is a much more advanced one. And if you pass that, you get a hat. And that's, that's the only way you can get it. That's strictly for overachievers, Eric. We we really don't want people taking that one unless they just want to be better, right? Well, unless they want to be better. That's a good point. But these people want to rule their pool. So I think we're going to do that. So this is episode 51. This is part four of our five-part series on calcium issues. And I wanted Jared on this one because Jared and I sort of discovered this problem uh, together in a way. Um, at least we remember the path of discovery of this issue because for a long time, Jared, in the Northeast in particular, in cold climates, they thought that they had scale in the wintertime. You remember all those conversations and calls we had? Lots of scale, lots of scale, lots of complaints about rough surfaces and lots of complaints about how this seems to be just a new phenomenon. I mean, nobody could really mm-hmm. explain it. It would just came out of nowhere. Older pools never had this issue. It all seemed to kind of, you know, work towards the idea that newer pools are just suddenly becoming, you know, flooded with this problem. Right, exactly. And and that was, I mean, it was really uh, common knowledge that it was scale. At least that's what everyone thought. And so I get called in to go visit some customers who say, oh yeah, we got scale in the winter. We got, every time we, we lower our uh, we lower our calcium hardness in the fall so that we don't have scale in the springtime. And of course, we quickly learned through some lab studies and uh, really just just some critical thinking of the pictures looking at these things. They didn't look like scale. They didn't have the same symptoms of scale as we discussed two episodes ago, that scale is an oversaturation of calcium carbonate. There's too much sugar in your water, so to speak, and it comes out of solution and it lands on everything. Crystals do not. They look totally different. And that's what kind of gave it away. And it put us on this path of discovering what could really go wrong in a pool, especially in the wintertime. So I've got a whole bunch of photos and, you know, I'm going to try to make them as anonymous as possible. I guess we'll zoom in on things, but we're going to go through this. If you're watching it, you're going to see some photos. If not, you can find these photos on our blog, blog blog.orendatech.com. Type in the word crystal, you'll find it. So without further ado, episode 51, we're going to be talking about calcium crystals in this episode. Let's go. Welcome to Rule Your Pool 
the podcast by Arenda that explains and simplifies pool chemistry so that anybody, regardless of experience, can understand it. I'm your host, Eric Knight, bringing clarity to these subjects so that you can bring clarity to your water. If you're ready to rule your pool, then let's go. All right, first of all, crystals are not the same thing as scale. That's where we need to start this conversation. That's what everybody kind of shakes their head at. And at the Northeast Pool and Spa Show a few years ago, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get foot traffic at these trade shows. But we put up a banner that said what, Jared? Do you remember? Got scale, question mark. That's right. Got scale. We had more foot traffic than we had ever had based on that because everyone thinks it's scale. It's actually not scale. It can be confusing, though. I can see where the confusion comes in. Okay, explain. Because you are, it is, it is, you know, revolving around calcium. It is a calcium problem. So I think calcium in our industry, you know, just became, you know, accepted as scale. Just a generic term for mm-hmm. a scale, pro- a calcium problem is just called scale. And I think we're, we're trying right. to, you know, put emphasis on the fact that no, there are different types of calcium problems. Yeah. Absolutely, there are. Um, this is one of them. And, and hell, we're doing a five-part series. The first one was about scale. All these other ones are not scale. Mm-hmm. But they are primarily calcium carbonate. Yes. So what we've learned is there are different forms of calcium carbonate. And the first time we ever had these lab tested, they came back. Actually, the very first sample was not primarily calcium carbonate. We don't actually know what it was because we didn't conduct the lab test. We said, is this calcium carbonate? And the you know, the research group said, uh, not primarily, no. I should have said, hey, send the research report. What is this? But um, that's a lesson learned. So then we got samples from other people, and we got those tested. And they are primarily calcium carbonate, but they are reinforced with these weird um, trace elements that are also in these crystals. One of them had strontium, for example. Another one had uh, something else I'd never heard of. And it was very odd because these crystals grow in different shapes and sizes. And so far, since 2017, when we sort of discovered this, Arenda has tested, uh, I don't know, eight or nine samples ourselves. We've submitted dozens to uh, other groups. And we have found at least four different types. Four as of now. Now, I believe there's probably more, but they're all similar. But here's what gets me, Jared. Some of these crystals are really easy to get rid of, and others you pretty much have to drain the pool and grind them off or resurface. Yes. Why do you think that is? Serious question, because I don't know. Uh, I don't know per se. I would be completely guessing, which I'm absolutely going to do, because why else would we want to do this? Um, it's our podcast. We can say whatever we want, yeah. man, as long as it's not a fit for violation. Let's go yeah, for it. Yeah, I mean, I think... You have different components and and different makeup of the plasters and how they're mixed, what the makeup is of that specific type of plaster, how it's applied. I think all these things come into play, but I notice a lot of the, you know, problematic crystals that uh, we've run into are, are silica based, right? You know, that stuff is extremely hard to, you know, get rid of chemically, period. Um, so before I answer any question that a homeowner comes at me is, Hey, just so you know, yeah, we're going to try to do this chemically. It's, it's the path of least resistance and the easiest path, but just know if this doesn't work, you're going to have to drain and manually remove these crystals period. 
So it's always a disclaimer. Well, I wouldn't say, yeah, hold on. I wouldn't say that's a majority. We have definitely encountered it. But in a previous episode, I was saying calcium silica scale is rare. Now, we have seen it. Correct. And it does look like crystals. Yes. And it kind of looks like brown rice krispies that deposit on everything. But the way we know that they're not crystals, even though they look like them, is because they land on surfaces. They land on light fixtures. They land on plastic fittings. So we know those are not actually growing out of the wall. I want to make a distinction here because you, you bring up a very good point. Those ones, you're right. We don't have a solution for them. You have to drain and probably resurface or because an acid wash doesn't touch them. No, and that's, it's the oddest that's thing. That's the main complaint is I poured straight acid on this and it didn't touch it. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Same with calcium sulfate. It's not going to do it with calcium sulfate. We don't know what will other than you remember the on balance group did the boiling muriatic acid, which, you know, hard pass, yeah. but um, we're not going to do that. So you typically have to physically grind them off or resurface. But that's different from what we're talking about in this episode because even though it may happen during the wintertime, what we're observing is not landing on plastic fittings. It's not landing on lights. It's not landing on metals. It's not landing on the face of tile. It's only coming from cement finishes. You know, we have it sometimes in tile grout, but rare. Usually it's in cement from plaster finishes. And we have seen four different types of those. Now, when we got these lab tested, they did all sorts of electro, fancy word, microscopy stuff, uh, electron microscopes, all that stuff. And they concluded that these are what they call skeletal calcite. I still don't know exactly what that means, but it's way different in terms of structure to normal scale. Scale, and this is me overly simplifying this, Calcium carbonate scale is pretty ugly. It just kind of slops on there, piles on. It just builds up as, you know, hardened gunk. Keyword, basically. builds up. Yeah, it builds up. It comes from the water, deposits out, piles up on surfaces. These don't. These grow. They grow out of the cement. And what's really fascinating about these is under an electron microscope, you can see the structure of them. But under a normal microscope, there's a very, very small channel, a hollow tunnel in the middle of every single one of these crystals. Think of it kind of like a straw. I'm going to show a picture to those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, those of you listening, uh, I'm going to do my best. You know what? I, I'm going to let Jared describe it for those of you who can't. Kind of like an auditory learner here. Oof. So uh, here we go. Here's the picture. Jared, what are we looking at? Oh, yes. Here? It looks like a rice grain with a tube going through the middle of it. It's actually not a bad description. Thanks. Almost like a, a glass worm with a, you know, it's almost like you're looking at the spine of a glass worm, but it's a microscopic hollow tunnel that goes through these crystals. Now, I'm going to show another image here. Stop that screen share. And this time, we're going to look at them next to each other. Now, what are we looking at there, Jared? That looks like a longer piece piece of clear spaghetti. I love your descriptions. <laughs> you can tell Jared has young kids. Although uh, I'm going to agree with that too. It does kind of look like that. It's it's almost like not curved fingernail clippings. Mm. I mean, it's it's about that color. They're translucent. These, uh, I, I think, at scale, they're about a half inch long, but they're very thin. I haven't had lunch yet. I got food on the brain. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what it looks like? It looks like pad thai noodles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Good call. You know what I'm talking about? Those clear, those clearish noodles. Okay. So, anyways, inside every single one of these is a hollow tunnel, which means calcium hydroxide is getting pulled through. We think we, we're pretty sure it's hydroxide. It's creating an LSI violation. This is our theory, anyway. Creating an LSI violation in cold, stagnant water. Stagnant water is key because if water's circulating, you wouldn't get these beautiful crystals. You'd probably get winter dust. You'd probably get some uglier version of calcium carbonate that comes out. In my estimation, Jared, you if you have a different opinion, voice it here. It's kind of the same chemistry as plaster dust, as if you know water is aggressive when the water gets colder. So the LSI goes down and so it's hungry and starts dissolving calcium carbonate in the surface. And it gets through that and starts pulling calcium hydroxide, which is still, you know, uncarbonated at the moment because it's, you know, deeper into the surface and it starts pulling it out. And that high pH creates now a rebound effect. It creates a high LSI violation and it crystallizes as it comes out kind of like a volcano and it builds up the height of that volcano. Not dissimilar from a calcium nodule, except it's not being pushed out from behind like a calcium nodule, which is what we explained in the last episode. Calcium nodules are forced from behind, usually with hydraulic pressure. This is a chemistry thing. It's almost like it's getting pulled. Yeah, it's getting pulled out at a very slow rate, a very controlled rate, enough that it crystallizes as it comes out. And the only dead giveaway when we were talking to the lab scientist who did all this for us, she said these things grow. These are not deposits. Calcium doesn't deposit like this. They, these grew. These came out of the cement. And we know that because if you look up close, none of these are on pebbles. None of these are on tiles. None of these are on plastic fittings. They're all around them, but they're only coming from cement. Calcite crystals are growing out of the surface. And there's all this conversation in the industry of, oh, we have to figure out what they are. We have to figure out what they are. Okay, fine. We've already figured out what they are, or at least close enough. But Jared, we have one advantage even if we don't understand these entirely, we know how to prevent them. Yes. So far, we're batting a 1,000 on prevention. Share what we've learned on how to prevent these crystals. So just to put a disclaimer out there first, we kept referencing the Northeast and the Northeast show and the NESPA and all this and that and the other. Everybody should know this problem can happen anywhere. If the LSI gets low enough and the water gets cold enough, this can happen, whether you're in Texas, Arizona, the Northwest, you name it, this can still happen. So all we know is that this revolves around an LSI violation. That, that's the cause of the problem, right? So our approach is to, okay, we know our water temperature is going to drop in the wintertime when it gets cold. We know it's going to reach, say, 32 degrees in Buffalo or lower. Plan for it. Plan accordingly. Balance your LSI for 32 degrees water, 32 degree water when you close your pool down. Therefore, whenever it does get that cold, you're prepared. And when it warms back up, no harm, no foul. So be proactive. Our our motto is proactive pool care. And this strictly just means plan for things you know that are gonna happen. Absolutely. That's that's a, a much more succinct way of saying what I was going to say. Um, we know it's going to freeze. And I kind of liken this water to a bear that's about to go and hibernate. That bear is going to eat all summer long so that it has enough calories in it to sleep for several months. 
The last thing you want that bear to do is wake up in the cold winter, hungry, and mad. Water will kind of do the same thing. When you put that pool to bed, when you are ruling your pool, you need to put it to bed in cold areas with enough calcium and enough LSI, uh, I'm going to say nutrients, that's not the right word, LSI factors, I should say. You need enough alkalinity, enough calcium, a high enough pH, so that when it goes to bed and that temperature drops, no worries, you've got enough calcium. You've got enough sugar in your drink. You're going to be fine. That water's not going to have to wake up, and it's not going to be hungry, and it's not going to attack the surfaces. Now, one thing that Jared said is a very good point. Most of the problems we see are in the Northeast and the Midwest, but that's not all. We have seen these in other areas when the water is cold and still. Circulation, we have found, if water is moving, we don't see crystals. Now, you might see some damage. You might see some white rings around aggregate showing the loss of calcium hydroxide from the interfacial transition zones, or ITZs, dead giveaway. We see that quite often, actually, in the wintertime. Pools get grayed out. They get ghosted. Those kind of things. We're actually going to talk about that in the next episode. But crystals... They happen when there is no circulation, because if there were circulation, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have the ability to form these crystals. So we think they form slow. We don't have a time lapse camera to tell. Maybe we should hire some nature documentary company that puts underwater cameras in, like when they watch plants grow over three months. Maybe we could do that, but we don't know how long they grow. But chances are, in the fall, you don't have any crystals. You don't see them until probably January. And then they start forming in the deepest, coldest part of the winter. And they keep forming as the water warms up. Well, that and a lot of times these crystals are presented at the water line. When people close a pool down, the water line where it freezes, which is the coldest part. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do feel bad because it seems as though not that it's a guaranteed this is why or what happens. But it just seems that most of the crystal problems that I get calls on are newly plastered pools. And when I say new, I'm saying within probably two years. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, that pool's still curing. There's still a process going on for that surface no, right. within that time frame. So, obviously, people always say, well, I've had my pool for 20-plus years, and I had it resurfaced two years ago. Now I have this problem. Well, it's unfortunate. I am sorry about that. And I don't yeah. know why it always seems to be new pools that have this issue. Maybe something changed. Couldn't tell you. Don't know. No, well, you are correct. I, I would say it's probably less than two years. Um, I think something's different. This is a theory. We're just spitballing right now because we really don't know. I mean, unless you know something I don't, Jared. We don't know what changed in the cement. Nope. But our theory is something changed in the cement because – Seven, eight years ago, crystals were really rare, if at all, happening. And now they're very common. And we would talk to plaster companies and builders. They're like, we just didn't have these issues all those years ago. Now, normally, by the way, let's back up. Normally, when pool professionals tell us that, oh, I've never had this problem before. Eh, BS. Come on. Like, yes, you have. You're just not admitting it, right? There's two types of pool professionals. Those who have pool problems and those who don't admit they have pool problems. But nobody is immune to issues. Now, this... I tend to actually believe a little bit more because there is a direct correlation. Something changed in the last 10 years or so that these crystals became more prevalent. I'm thinking it could be 
some sort of filling agent or filler that they're putting in the cement. I don't know. It could be some modifier that's being put in the products. I have no idea, but we do know it is an LSI violation that's causing this. And those that get put to bed with correct LSI balance at the coldest temperatures, regardless of the type of surface, they don't have crystals. Mm-hmm. We dealt with a lot of homeowners that reach out to us because they Google, you know, crystals in the pool or sharp calcium in the pool, whatever. And they find our articles and inevitably we get a lot of calls in April, May, and June, don't we, Jared? Pools are open now. Mm-hmm. I got crystals in my pool, all that. Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay. What's your calcium? Mm-hmm. There you go. Got a lot of dilution. So that kind of brings me to my next point on the prevention side of things. The type of cover you have, as we discussed in a previous episode, the type of cover you have really determines a lot about how you have to winterize that pool. Of course, your climate does too. You're not going to winterize a pool in Charlotte the exact same way that you are in, you know, Connecticut. Because Connecticut, guaranteed, you're going to freeze. It might not freeze in Charlotte. It could, but it might not. It might be 38 degrees or 40 degrees at its coldest. But you're at some point in the north, you're guaranteed. Like Michigan, it's going to freeze. In fact, it's already frozen today. This is our last show of the year. We already know it's frozen. There's plenty of snow on the ground. You got to be prepared for that. So in terms of prevention, think about the cover you have. Now, I'm going to use two examples. And again, this is rehashing a previous episode. So if you want to go more in depth on the covers, go back to those episodes. A mesh cover needs more calcium. And you don't necessarily need as much alkalinity. Here's why. Mesh covers allow CO2 to escape, Henry's Law, which means your pH can rise, which is going to raise your LSI, and it's going to stay right around the pH ceiling all winter long. That's a good thing. That's going to help you. That's going to help you insulate for the wintertime. But you need more calcium in that situation because of dilution. There is zero calcium in rain and snow. And that can get through a mesh cover and dilute that water down um, or dilute the calcium down and raise the water level. Which is why I think it freezes around that frozen layer on top. Because you're not mixing it. It's just draining, seeping into the top level, which has zero calcium or very low. And you got a major problem. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because there's no circulation. If you circulate it, we don't find crystals in circulated pools. We just don't. I don't think we've ever seen one. Have you, Jared? No, and that's why I started recommending to the homeowners or the customers that want to provide the extra service because, ladies and gentlemen, understand, you still need to take care of your pool over the wintertime, even though it's closed. And uh, people call it winter watch, which is great. And part of a winter watch program, in my opinion, needs to include hanging some submersible pumps in your pool water so that they turn on occasionally throughout the day just to circulate the water. That'll push things around, keeps it from being stagnant, and mixes up the top layer. I mean, it's just, it's good practice, in my opinion. Yeah. There was a guy who came to the Northeast show several years ago. I do not know who he is. I just remember looking at his phone because he was talking to a group, and I just happened to be kind of listening in. And he had a picture of water in a big glass beaker. And I guess he used phenol reagent to look at pH, and he had had this theory, and he was explaining, oh, pH stratifies. If the water's sitting still long enough, the pH is different at the bottom and the middle and the top. And I remember seeing this, and it, it looked almost kind of like a orange to red rainbow, that the pH was very different at the top and than it was at the bottom. I don't remember 
who he was. I don't remember how the experiment does, but if, if you're listening to this, yeah. sir, and there's a good chance you are because we have a lot of people that listen to this, hit us up. We have a new email address specifically for this. It is podcast at orendatech.com. Use that email, and that's for any of you, by the way, if you have requests for our show, podcast at orendatech.com. But that stratification is a good theory. And, and I, I think, Jared, you're absolutely right. The dilution gets to the top. Water is not moving. Therefore, you do get a lot more crystals near the water. Yes. I say, or that person can come see us at the Northeast Shore this year. That'd be, that'd be better. That'd be better. Bring your phone. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to see this because we would love to conduct that experiment or have you conduct that experiment and we'll publish it because that's cool as hell. Yep. It really is. And, and to your point, Jared, a winter watch program is awesome. I'm a huge advocate for a winter watch program. A once a month visit, even if you think your pool is frozen, it might not be. Have somebody come in, move the water around, circulate it about, get a test, warm up the sample so it's an accurate test, and see if you need more calcium then. Mm -hmm. It's a hell of a lot easier and cheaper to add calcium from a bag than to fight crystals later. For sure. Which brings us to the final part of this segment. Getting rid of crystals. That's the big question we get in the spring. How, I have them. What do I do? Prevention is always easier than removal. Now, there's some. We, we know of four types. Some of them are really easy to get rid of. The first one, they literally, you add calcium in the spring and SC-1000, and within a week or so, for some reason, they just go away. They either fall off, they get dissolved, you can brush them off. I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world, and I don't know why. I'm very grateful for it, but I remember... Uh, Several homeowners called me back. They're like, this is a miracle. It worked. I have no more crystals. This is great. Thank you so much. And I was like, awesome. That's a great call to get. I wish more of them were like that. The second type of crystal, and by the way, these, these all look very similar usually. The second type of crystal looks more like sandpaper. It's not as long and pretty as the first one. But this sandpaper is harder to get rid of. Now, SC-1000 and calcium can soften them up, but it's going to take you a month or so. I mean, a lot of brushing. You might need to drop the pH in that pool. I'm not saying do a no-drain acid wash, but maintain in the yellow of the LSI for a while and soften them up and get them dissolved. But it can get chemically dissolved. The third type, they're not getting chemically dissolved. Not, not in the water. You need to either drain and acid wash them or... Uh, deal with them you can i mean you can take a diamond pad you can sand them off but they're tough they're resilient we don't know why jared do you know why i don't know why but i've had lots of people call me this year with the diamond pads and just basically mm -hmm. sanding them down and just making it a weekly thing when they get in the pool they just sand 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 and eventually they'll it'll yep. smooth it'll get smooth but it's still not ideal yeah this is what those look like so this is looking down the wall of a pool and those of you who are listening to this, I've got another picture up uh, looking down from the edge of the pool down. And it just kind of looks like these, I mean, it looks like gritty sandpaper just kind of yeah, showing so up. Somebody, out of, Jared, you describe it. You're better at describing things. Uh, back to our food topic here. It looks like sugar, just sugar sprinkled all over the surface. Yep, but it's growing out. These crystals are sharp. And they these ones do not come off easily. Now, you can take like a putty knife and, and you can put some some force to it and they will break off but it doesn't mean they're totally smooth. So a diamond pad is very easy. Um, it, the problem is it's just such a huge amount of surface area, and a diamond pad is yes. you know, three inches in 
size. So it, it's going to take a lot of effort. But they need to be physically ground off. And again, we don't know why. Acid washes can get rid of this type. But you got to drain an acid wash. It's very aggressive. It's, it's a real pain. And then that brings us to the fourth type. Now, the fourth type, maybe that's mistaken with what Jared mentioned earlier, which is calcium silica. That's not a crystal. That's technically a scale, but does look kind of similar, except it's more brownish yellow. It's not clear and translucent like these. That we don't have an answer for. If you've got that, or you've got the fourth type of crystal that is calcite, but for some reason it just does not dissolve, and, and when I say it doesn't dissolve, I mean, literally, Jared, you remember that pool I was telling you about in Pennsylvania that they did an acid wash on it and it didn't do anything. And then they scraped them off and they fizzed no problem in acid. I still don't know what happened there. I, I do not understand it, but yet can it you, is. Can I answer your question? That, no, I, no, I don't remember. Oh, you don't? Re- yes, you're rolling your eyes. You do remember that. But anyway, it is very odd. It's almost like it was attached to its food source and immune to acid at the time you scrape it off and it dissolves no problem it is crazy we don't know why that fourth type you pretty much need to grind them off drain that pool polish it because an acid wash ain't gonna do it again we don't know enough to know why but we do know that all of this stuff all of this remedy is a lot harder than the simple prevention that so far is preventing a hundred percent of these if you winterize it the Arenda way, and mainly the LSI, you don't even have to winterize the entire Arenda way because we winterize with enzymes and removing phosphates and getting the water prepared for the winter cleanliness-wise and the LSI. Hell, if you just do the LSI, you're going to prevent crystals. But some other things that you can do to help your case would be, like Jared mentioned, a winter watch service. Ease that pool into winter. Ease it out of the winter. Okay, adjust the chemistry once a month. Circulate the water. Move it. If it's just stagnant and it's sitting there, I don't know. Water gets cold enough, you could have a problem. And we talked in a previous episode about calcium dust and cloudiness and carbonate clouding. If you had moving water, these crystals don't necessarily present themselves you could get winter dust. And what happens there is the same kind of chemistry, we think, where the water is aggressive. It's pulling out calcium hydroxide as it needs it because the water is getting colder. In this case, because the water is so stagnant, it just forms crystals as it does that. It gets the pH that it needs, raises the pH of the water. It stays in equilibrium. In the case of calcium dust, or winter dust as I call it, everything's fine. Everything dissolves just fine because the water's moving. And then it gets to the coldest temperature. But because you didn't have the crystals because the water was moving, the water's actually fine at the coldest temperature because it's been eating its way into the winter. And now it's fine. But then the end of February comes and goes, and you get into March, and the water temperature starts to rise. And as the water temperature rises, so too does the LSI. Now that excess calcium at that high pH that the water needed in January and February is an oversaturation of that calcium. It's a high LSI violation, and it starts depositing dust. Calcium carbonate, by the way, pure calcium carbonate dust. So if your water's moving, you're going to get dust, which is a hell of a lot easier to clean up. Wouldn't you say, Jared? A lot easier. Easy to do chemically, for sure. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, super easy. Whereas crystals, mm, not so much. So as a quick recap, crystals are not scale. We have to stop thinking about them as scale. And this idea, if you think they're scale, oh, I need less calcium going into the winter so I don't have scale in the springtime. That is like the worst thing you can do. As I say, I've said it for years, to me, that's like throwing rubbing alcohol on a fire to put it out just because rubbing alcohol looks like water, but it actually makes the fire burn a lot hotter. That's kind of what lowering your calcium going into the winter is like. Your water needs calcium. It needs it, and if you don't give it the LSI balance that it needs in the winter, it's going to find it. And in a case of a cold, stagnant pool, you could get crystals. Jared, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think the last closing thing I would add is it's our job as an industry and as a professional to stress the importance of not neglecting your pool's water over the wintertime just because it's cold outside and nobody's using it because that is exactly what happens you know, as we get into, say, November and December, people, they, they just kind of ignore and neglect their, their pool, whether they cancel their pool service provider because they're not using it and they don't want to pay for it. And they'll rehire somebody or think about it in March or April when they open it back up. That is not uncommon to think that way. Well, it's our job to relay the necessary information so that that homeowner, or if you're maintaining a pool yourself, you're the homeowner, understand it is very important to make sure you're doing the right thing for that water over the wintertime, even if you're not using it, because it can cause damage. And like we say, it's a lot easier to fix something if you're proactive and you're dealing with it ahead of time than being reactive and trying to fix a bad plaster or rough plaster or something down the road that's thousands of dollars to fix. Trust me. That Amen. you know, three months of pool service you thought you were saving is not worth a new plaster job. So um, outside of that, you know, it's been it's been a good year. We appreciate everybody. We've had many, many, many phone calls. And uh, we are, you know, like I said, greatly appreciative of everybody out there that, you know, listens, reaches our website, reaches out to us. It's uh it's great. Yeah, it, it has been a wonderful year, and, and thank you for that. And uh, we, we want to thank you, the listeners. And as we get into the holiday season, we hope that you and your families have a wonderful holiday season. You have a great new year. Uh, we will not be doing weekly episodes in the holiday season, and then we get into trade show season starting pretty much the first week of January. We're going to try to release these every other week. That's pretty much the best we can do because <laughs> – Jared and I, we're going to be traveling pretty much every week until the end of March. Hey, what if we throw a computer up at the table and just do a uh, do a roadshow podcast? It might be noisy, but we could do it. Hey, it, I'm not opposed to the idea, but I don't know how uh, TSA would like my massive microphone in my bag. They'd probably think it's some sort of device that shouldn't be on an airplane, but it's just a microphone. Maybe we don't do microphones. We just do AirPods. Air, oh, oh, man. I don't know. If you do have questions... Specific to crystals, I ask that you read the material first. We have plenty of it on our website. Collect samples of it if you do have it in the springtime. And by the way, even though we're in late December now, it's not too late for you to get calcium in your pool right now. Even if your water's already very cold, test it. Warm up the sample before you test it, though. Collect a sample in a water bottle, heat it up, put it in your pocket, whatever, then test it, because cold water will give you a bad sample. 
Find out what your calcium is. Find out what your LSI is. And if you need calcium, add it. Pre-dissolve it. Pre-chelate it. I'm not saying put SC-1000 in the pool because it won't activate. But a little splash of SC-1000 in that hot calcium dissolving will really help you. Get that in the pool. Your water will thank you. I'm Eric Knight with Arenda. This has been episode 51. Come on. Oh, your plat. Sorry. Well, your water too. I mean, your water would get hangry if you don't put that calcium in. (laughs) But yeah, your pool guy will thank you as well. So uh, I'm Eric Knight with Arenda. This is episode 51, part four of our five-part series. I'm going to try to knock out the fifth part and probably release that in early January. But this is the end of the year. And again, the email, if you have requests, is podcast at orendatech.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rule Your Pool, a podcast by Orenda Technologies. For more information on what we discussed in this week's episode, check the links in the description or visit www.orendatech.com. I hope you find this show valuable enough that you tap that subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can also like us on Facebook and social media. And with our help, you'll be able to rule your pool without over-treating it with chemicals and wasting money. I'll see you next episode.